Welcome to The Backbone, but first, a word from our sponsor, Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors too, so you can get paid for your podcast. Anchor is what I use to bring you The Backbone, a journey inside finance at a startup. It connects your podcast seamlessly to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more, making your podcast available wherever your audience chooses to listen. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Welcome to The Backbone, a journey inside finance at a startup. I'm your host, Shabam Data at Shabam on Twitter. On The Backbone, we're obsessed with finance and operations at startups. We take a close look at finance functions within various startup companies by talking to finance leaders that are in there day in and day out. We chat startup finance, metrics, operations, and everything in between. Joining me on this episode of The Backbone is Trisha Egberts, finance manager at Figure One. Figure One is a free platform that doctors use to learn from one another. Their vision is to build a global teaching hospital that delivers life-saving medical knowledge anywhere and at any time. In 2018, McLean's Magazine named Figure One as one of the Canadian tech startups that could be the next billion-dollar breakout. As Figure One's inaugural finance hire, Trisha is responsible for all things finance and accounting at Figure One. She holds a Bachelor of Commerce from Queen's University and earned her CPACA designation while working at PwC in the audit and assurance practice. After PwC, Trisha worked at the Center for Addiction and Mental Health before joining Figure One. And so without further ado, let's hear from Trisha Eckberts, Finance Manager at Figure One. Good morning, Trisha. Thanks for coming on The Backbone this morning. We've got a lot to cover, so we'll jump right in. You uh, started your career at uh, PwC and then spent some time at CAMH, the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, before jumping into tech and your current role as the finance manager at Figure One. So talk to me about your path into tech and how it all started for you. Thanks, Siobhan. I'm excited to be here on The Backbone. So while I was at PwC, I mostly worked in the mining industry, but I had a pretty good mix of clients in different industries too. And I think that's part of what gave me exposure to the healthcare industry. So as I was approaching my fourth year at PwC, I went through the classic audit burnout and I knew I was in need of a change. And as much as I loved the mining industry and my team at PwC, I realized that if I left for a mining company, I would probably be dealing with the same issues from the other side of the table. Right. So I remember talking to recruiters and they asked what I was interested in. I said I had a passion for healthcare and and mental health in particular, and I could see myself going the hospital route, but I was also really fascinated by the startup culture. And I guess those recruiters had never heard of health tech because they told me healthcare and startups don't mix. You have to choose one. So that was a pretty interesting bit of feedback that I got that doesn't really line up with the industry that I think you and I both know exists and is is thriving. So I, I heard about the job at CAMH and it seemed like a great fit. It would allow me to use my skills in an industry that I'm really passionate about. So I jumped at that opportunity. Um, and while I was at CAMH, I got some great exposure to working on rather than simply auditing, um, you know, a lot of those classic activities like monthly reporting, 
variance analysis, budgeting, forecasting, um, and definitely limited resource allocations. So it was great to be on a team that had some solid policies and procedures in place to gain firsthand experience on what a uh, high-functioning accounting and finance department could look like. And I had some really great mentors, but I became worried that I wasn't having as big an impact as I would like. Um, Kami just mm-hmm you know, obviously a world leader in care and research and reducing stigma around mental health and addiction, but I didn't necessarily see room for myself to grow as quickly as I'd hoped. And that's when I heard about figure one and that they were looking for their first finance hire. And it sounded like the perfect merger of my passion for healthcare and uh, my interest in startups. Being the first finance hire was really exciting too, because I'd be able to take the lessons learned at PwC and CAMH and put them into practice at figure one with a relatively clean slate. You know, before we jump into talking about what figure one is all about, um, help me understand a little bit more uh, about your your passion and, and healthcare. I mean, you started in mining and then uh, did you always have this passion in healthcare or, you know, as you went through mining, uh, you started developing this passion? It sort of grew over time. My mom actually is a CA that works in the healthcare industry. And I, you know, apparently when I was growing up, I used to always tease her for being an accountant, turned into an accountant. Um, used to always tease her for, you know, loving healthcare, which at the time I found to be a relatively boring industry, to be honest. Um, and so I sort of went my own path. I took the mining route and she told me when I started at PwC that when she started at her accounting firm, she actually started in the mining group. So that was great. Um, and then, yeah, I sort of always had it in the, the back of my mind as an option. And my interest in mental health grew, you know, throughout my university and time at PwC. Um, and it just sort of naturally cultured that, that desire to join that industry. Nice. Like mother, like daughter. There you go. So, so, uh, yeah, tell me about figure one and what it's all about. Of course. So figure one is a free platform that doctors use to learn from one another. So there are more than two and a half million healthcare professionals and students from 190 countries using figure one on iOS, Android, and the web. So it started with one of our founders, Dr. Joshua Landy, who's a critical care specialist. While Josh was a visiting fellow at Stanford University studying how doctors use social media, he saw his colleagues sharing medical information by email and text message. Mm. And as you can imagine, there are two big problems with that. One, it wasn't secure, so private patient information could be compromised. And two, it was really inefficient. Emails and texts between two or three people is a really bad way to share life-saving information. If one doctor learns something valuable from a challenging case, then, then why not thousands more? So Josh came up with figure one as a way to protect privacy while empowering doctors around the world to learn from one another. So how it works is um, physicians and healthcare professionals use figure one to share and discuss real clinical cases. Healthcare professionals can take pictures from cases they're seeing with their smartphones and upload them to our platform using our in-app tools to remove identifiers for patient privacy. And every time a photo is uploaded, a consent form pops up. We offer consent forms in more than 20 languages and tailored by jurisdiction to comply with the laws where figure one is available. Um, The patient can sign the screen of the phone with their finger and the completed consent form gets emailed to the healthcare professional posting the photo. And then once the case goes through our 24-hour moderation team, it's available for thousands of healthcare professionals to view and discuss. Hmm. Um, And, you know, we're obviously constantly improving the product, making changes that help physicians make use of their productive downtime. 
we're working on different ways for our users to consume content too, so they can get the most out of every minute they spend with us, like specialized newsletters and even a podcast, actually. Earlier this year, we wrapped up um, DDX, a podcast about how doctors think, which developed some of the cases shared on figure one into longer stories. And it was the number one medical podcast on iTunes. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Well, that's really helpful. Um, Really paints an overview of of what figure one is. And, you know, as you were describing that, kind of likened it to the Instagram for doctors. You know, maybe it's too much of a simplification, but if I I were to say you're the figure one is the Instagram for doctors, uh, is that something that would be appropriate? (laughs) We get called that a lot. Yes and no. I mean, it's the best way to describe what it looks and feels like to scroll through the platform to somebody who's not familiar with figure one. Um, but obviously we serve a very different purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're a highly educational tool rather than covering, uh, you know, a vast majority of topics and contents that are sh- typically for entertainment. Gotcha. So I, I want to spend some time now talking about metrics. And, uh, you know, like I mentioned, uh, I, I would imagine that you spend a lot of time measuring active users and engagement on the platform, um, you know, scrolling through feeds and, and things like this. Um, what are the most important metrics uh, that, that you track as, as the finance leader for a company like Figure One? So some of our metrics might differ a little bit from other technology startups because our users are not our customers. Our users are the healthcare professionals that use figure one for free and our customers are those paying for ads. So there isn't actually a direct link between our users and our revenue. But that being said, I divide our key metrics into probably three areas. So user metrics, financial metrics, and a hybrid of the two. Within user metrics, we focus on the three areas probably of acquisition, engagement, and retention. So things like registrations, Activity metrics like uploads and comments primarily, user churn and re-engagement. And then the, on the financial side, it'd be relatively standard compared to most startups, again, except for the classic SaaS metrics that don't apply to us, like referring right. revenue, you know, either monthly or annual. Um, so instead, we focus on things like total contract value, revenue recognized per month, deferred revenue expense and revenue trending. So obviously both month over month and year over year. And then those classic cash metrics that every startup should be tracking like burn rate, net cash flow, runway, and just making sure you have enough cash in the bank. Makes sense. And then the last would be the hybrid metrics that fuse those together. So things like cost per user acquisition, revenue on a per user basis. Um, and for us, that indirect link, like how many more active users do we need to generate more revenue from our customers? We start with you know, most of these metrics on a high level basis, and then drill in where we need to, so that we can really tell what metrics are driving uh, our outcomes. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and I was going to follow up and, and ask about how you correlate, you know, those non-financial metrics, like those user metrics that you mentioned. One thing that was uh, interesting, and I'm glad that you mentioned it, is your users are not your customers and your customers are uh, those that place ads on, on the platform. And, and so um, how do you correlate the non-financial metrics into financial outcomes? For example, you started talking about, you know, the uh, the need to have an X amount of users. Uh, and so on the, the platform, how do you think about if like we need, for example, X amount of MAUs, monthly active users to attract an incremental Y dollars of advertising on the platform. Is there some sort of correlation like that? Or um, how do you think about all that? Yeah, for sure. And like I mentioned, it's an indirect link, which, you know, like most complex analysis and finance, that's where things get interesting and where you need to sort of use your best judgment to 
um, draw correlations and connections. So I think it's, it's easy to get lost, you know, especially in the, what I consider to be the metric craze technology industry. It's easy to get lost measuring dozens of metrics that the industry seems to consider integral to every business. Um, but it's important to, you know, pay attention to the business that you're in because more often than not, your, your business model is going to tell you exactly what metrics you need to focus on to determine if you have product market fit traction and how best you can grow your business. So for us, it's connecting the dots between what our, what are our user metrics and how does that actually correlate into a financial outcome, be it either cost or revenue or, or some sort of fusion of the two. Um, so for us, you know, on a macro and a micro level, you can look at obviously the big picture and look at your total user base and look at your total revenue pool. But for us, we can also dive into the details of what kind of specialists are we talking about in what sort of subspecialty of medicine? What type of user am I talking about? Is it a physician? Is it a nurse practitioner or a physician's assistant? Are they in the US? Are they in Canada? You know, where are they? Um, and what do some of our customers care about and who do they want to um, target with their educational mm -hmm. content? So it, it's, it depends on what we're looking at in any, um, you know, in any given period. Um, or what the purpose of the analysis is, but it's it's interest. It's important to cut through some of the noise and focus on the pieces that do matter instead of looking at that big picture and focusing on the, on metrics that other people might recommend that doesn't fit for your business. Right, right. Every business has its own unique metrics, and then you know there might be metrics that are comparable across, um, like some of the standard ones that you mentioned. But yeah, hundred percent agree that should be focusing on on the ones that are. Uh, relevant to your business. And so I want to talk now uh, a bit more and, and explore the concept of uh, the, the sponsored content piece. Um, you know, like you mentioned, one of the ways figure one monetizes and generates revenue is through that sponsored content. Uh, your company specializes in unbranded sponsored content and disease state awareness campaigns led by physician thought leaders. And so companies like, you know, Facebook often talk about this concept of ad load or the amount of ads that you can put into a feed so that it's bearable to the audience. Uh, is that something that figure one also has to monitor? Yes and no. Um, the beauty of our, of our audience is that it's highly specialized and our ads aren't really like traditional advertising. It's not like scrolling past mattress ads on Instagram. So the ads are, as you mentioned, educational content that is central to what we offer our users. And when we do it well, we hit the sweet spot where the interests of doctors and pharma overlap. Proven science on how to identify diseases and thus improve patient outcomes. So like you mentioned, the majority of our ads are doctor-led clinical content by physicians for physicians. So I'll give you an example of one of our first campaigns. There's a disease called Hunter syndrome, which affects one in 100,000 baby boys. And it resembles Down syndrome, but it's really hard to distinguish if you don't know about it. So in partnership with Shire, one of the leading rare disease pharmaceutical companies, we had the world's leading expert on the disease conduct a grand rounds on figure one to share his research. Hmm. And we know that the tens of thousands of healthcare professionals who engage with the content on figure one are now more likely to identify Hunter syndrome if they see it. And that's something that can dramatically improve the lives of those children. So when we talk about ad load, of course, we're conscious of it, particularly because our user generated content is amazing, really engaging stuff. But even our ads are curated, highly high, high quality clinical content. So our advertising is obviously clearly labeled for transparency with information about who sponsored it. 
But because it's clinically based and has to meet benchmarks for integrity, engagement, and relevance, it's also exactly the kind of content that our users come to figure one for in the first place. Hmm, that makes sense. Yeah, that that's definitely an, uh, a very interesting connection between the two and and uh, distinction between, you know, like you said, uh, I can see ads for mattresses on Instagram, but I'm not necessarily on Instagram to look at mattresses. I may be on there looking for food and looking at what my friends did and things like that. So it, it's not like I want to see that. But uh, on figure one, I, I go there uh, to, to learn about uh, clinical cases and things like this. And and if there is sponsored content that enhances that learning, that enhances the, the cases that I'm, I'm able to see, it's meeting the purpose as to why I opened up the app in the first place, likely. Yeah, it's all about context and sort of understanding the relevance to your users and, you know, going back to what I said earlier, understanding the difference between your users and your customers and trying to find that balance between the two where, where everybody's getting what they came mm-hmm, for. Mm-hmm. That makes so much sense. And and so last question now, before we hop into our quick fire round, and, and that is, in your opinion, what is the importance of the finance function at a technology company? It definitely depends on the stage and size of the company, but generally speaking, I think finance is in a really interesting position with a bird's eye view of the organization. So especially in a company like figure one, I'm the finance manager, the controller, the accounts receivable and accounts payable clerk. I see every dollar coming in and out. So I'm able to see the story that the money tells. And when you do the low level record keeping as well as the high level reporting analysis and projections, you can get a really good feel for what's going on in an organization. And if you're able to take a vast amount of information like that and distill it into a few clear stories that everybody can understand, I think there's some real value to that. And so one of the things that I'm working on as well is shortening our reporting process, like most finance professionals or or anybody involved in month end is typically working on doing, um, so that I can deliver both historical and forward-looking financial information sooner for better decision-making. You know, we all know that the technology industry moves at light speed, and that means that things in a startup can change on a daily, let alone weekly or monthly basis. So the faster I can get information to our senior leadership team, the faster they can make decisions about the outcomes we've seen and what that might mean for our future. Right. I think there's also a really big education piece that can help create literal returns for the company. If we take Shred and IRAP, for example... The more I can teach our engineers and product team about the CRA and the NRC's funding for research and development work, the more we'll all be thinking about whether projects might be eligible, and the more we'll be able to analyze for potential funding or tax credits. You know, Canada has some of the best incentives in the world for innovation and startups, but you can't take advantage of them if you don't know about them or understand them. And one of my jobs is to make sure that everybody at Figure One knows about Shred, IRAP, hiring grants, um, and really any other funding opportunities that might apply to us. Yeah, that that's a really good one, and and glad that you mentioned it. Uh, it it's sometimes overlooked, and you know, um, a finance, uh, like you said, you you have the ability to see across multiple departments within the organization, and and just being able to tell that story throughout, um, and making sure everyone's educated and and on on those concepts is is definitely very key. Uh, so what I want to do now is jump into our. Quick 
quick fire round. And so the way this works is I'll ask you a couple of questions and you'll have 10 to 15 seconds to respond to each. How does that sound? Sounds good. All right, let's do it. So what is your go-to online resource for all things startup finance related? I'm a big fan of blogs. Uh, my top three are probably Brad Feld, Fred Wilson, and Albert Wenger. Actually, both Fred and Albert are partners at Union Square Ventures, the legendary VC that led our Series A. So that helps. <laughs> no bias there. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, yeah, nice. No, all, all, all three of those are very good resources for sure. Um, what's your favorite productivity hack? Um, I'd say Gmail stars and flags. They're, they're color-coded so I can quickly find what I'm looking for and see my to-dos. Nice. It's like the marrying of uh, colored sticky notes with, with email. I love it. Yep. <laughs> um, what is one thing you don't leave the office before finishing? Uh, I'd like to say probably a to-do list for the next day, but um, <laughs> I'm going to say expressing gratitude. I can't do my job with it without the people around me, and it would be a lot less fun without them, even if I could. So it's important for me to make sure that they know that. Nice. Yeah. Uh, a lot of uh, past guests have mentioned this as well, and, and I'm glad to hear that. Uh, what's uh, one tech jargon that makes you cringe? Disruption. Um, when you look at all the societal problems that tech has created in the last few years, it seems pretty clear that we need to spend more time thinking about how to put things back together after we break them. For sure. And what is the best advice that you've received so far in your career? Um, don't be afraid to veer from your path when opportunity knocks. It's something Kelly Isaac Howitz, our direct, senior director of business development, said in an interview, and it really stuck with me. I think um, so many of us have a plan or at least a rough idea of where we want to end up. And we stick to that plan to a fault. And I'm really glad I pushed past my own hesitation to veer from my path because I've learned so much and I'm having a blast doing it. That's awesome. Definitely uh, great advice. And, you know, uh, thanks again for, for making some time to, to chat with me this morning on The Backbone. Uh, really enjoyed it. Talking about your, your career path, uh, going from mining to CAMH in, in healthcare and now at Figure One, uh, talking about uh, the metrics that are important to, to a company like Figure One, which is not standard uh, SaaS metrics or not standard metrics that you often hear about. And then talking about the importance of maintaining the right balance of ads and uh, sponsored content as well as user-generated content and how that all works for, for Figure One. So really enjoyed this chat and thanks again, Trish. I uh, really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Shabam. All right. Take care. Bye now.